Welcome to the first ever Ladybug Podcast Book Club episode. This is a bonus episode which will occur at the end of each month. This month, we're discussing Atomic Habits by James Clear. We're super excited for this book club. And if you want to follow along, you can check out our Goodreads group, which we will have linked on our website at ladybug.dev slash books. Next month, we'll be reading Invisible Women, Data Bias in a World Designed for Men by Caroline Criado Perez. Let's jump in. Welcome to the Ladybug Podcast. I'm Kelly. I'm Allie. And I'm Emma. And we're debugging the tech industry. So I'm pretty sure that I have been talking nonstop about Atomic Habits since um, I was born. And <laughs> if you follow me on the internet, you probably have seen me raving about it. So this was the second time I've read this book. And I'm curious to know your thoughts. So what did you – what was your first reaction and what did you think of it? So I think it's also worth noting – Emma, you read the, a physical copy of the book. Did you? Or did you do an ebook? Well, the first time I listened to the audiobook, the second time I read the physical book, and I will admit that the physical book is much better because of all the graphs and everything. And I think, um, and this is a small tangent, but Ali, you would mention like he kept plugging his own website. That's only in the audiobook um, because it's reading the footnotes for things. So it's definitely not as prominent in the physical book. That is a very good point. And I read the Kindle, the Kindle version. Okay. I did the audiobook, but I also have the physical copy now. I'm showing it, <laughs> which you cannot see because this is just audio. <laughs> but I would definitely agree that the audiobook has some weird quirks with it where it's constantly talking about his website and look, telling you to look at the graphics on there. And so I felt a little bit like, why am I reading a book if you're just telling me to go to your website all the time? But seeing the physical book, that's not the case anymore. So I definitely think that getting the physical book is the way to go. I also think it's worth noting on the Kindle version, I think it's like at 62%, you actually finished the book. So that was super misleading. I hate when they do yeah, that. Yeah, I thought yeah. I was like, I'm going to have to spend so much more time finishing this book. But no, I reached the end. And I was like, oh, uh, okay, cool. Definitely. Have you all read The Power of Habit too? I have read The Power of Habit and I really liked it. I believe I read it prior to reading Atomic Habits. So Atomic Habits and The Power of Habit are both about habits. I don't know if you could tell. Um I really liked The Power of Habit. That might be another one we can read as well. There are a lot of anecdotes in that one. And I really like books that have like real life anecdotes. I think. Did you yes. read it, Allie? Yep. I have it right on that bookshelf right there. Did they talk about toothpaste in that one? Yep. Yes. And how this was so cool. Yeah. The foamingness. Or is it the minty taste? Something. It was the minty, minty taste. taste. Okay. So like, I don't remember exactly, but I do think the premise was the creators of toothpaste were having a very hard time selling it because people had not ingrained the habit of brushing their teeth. It was not something that they did. And it wasn't until they added this minty fresh flavor and coined it as like, oh, you'll have great smelling breath that people like it caught on. Um, so it talked about how you can kind of market your products differently to change people's habits, which I thought was fascinating. Yeah, they had that about Febreze too, that they had to change the marketing yeah. for it. So many good stories in that book. But I think that Atomic Habits was way more actionable, which I really liked. And from an educational yes. perspective, I really like the diagrams and also the summaries at the end of every chapter. I think that that was really awesome about Atomic Habits. But if you're looking for something a little bit more novel-like that has all these stories, then The Power of Habit is really great. That's really funny. I did not like the summaries at the end of each chapter. I'm like, oh, look, some words I can skip. 
Because I just read the chapter. I know yeah, what it's about. I do find I do find some books when they do summaries at the end, they're basically just repetitive. But at the same time, it's a really good like gl- like at a glance, you know. That's yeah. true, especially if you want to refer back to the book later. Definitely. Like if you wanted to go back through the book, you could just go to those summaries and not necessarily read the whole thing over again. Mm. So I think we should just jump in and talk about some of our favorite parts. Um, I'll kick it off because I have a quote here or an example that's one of my favorite things in the whole book, and it's something that I remember. Um, I have remembered since I read it. Um, So first of all, one of the things he says is the quality of our life depends on the quality of our habits. And he talks about this aggregation of marginal gains, which is a lot of syllables and a lot of big words, but essentially it just means break everything down, breaking down. Let me rephrase this, break down everything that goes into a task and improve it by 1%. It's a significant improvement when you put it all together. And he uses this example of an airline pilot who's flying out of LAX headed to New York City. And if they adjust the the airplane heading 3.5 degrees to the south, you don't think that's a big difference. 3.5 degrees doesn't sound like a huge change, but actually you would land in Washington, D.C. instead of New York City, which is a difference of 225 miles. So... It all, the whole premise is be con- more concerned with your trajectory than the current results that you're seeing. I think that's a really, a really good thing to to point out, especially because being so future focused and being so focused on specifically what's going to happen at the end of this or what your end goal is, we tend to lose sight of of what we need to do to get there because we're so focused on the end game. Especially we want to get there really fast too. And you think it's going to be this linear trajectory, but there's really a kind of curve to it. And I talk about this all the time with learning too, is that there are ups and downs and it's more cyclical than it is just a linear trajectory. And when people are in the low points of learning, it makes it really, really hard to keep learning because you think that you're in this like pit of despair and it's never going to get better, but you have to go through those lows to get to the highs. And I think the same thing is true for building habits is that it sucks sometimes like working out or whatever, or eating healthy, it's not always fun, but you have to break through the hard parts in order to get the results that you want. Absolutely. And I think one of the things I found really interesting was this concept of systems as opposed to goals. So goals are the results that you want to actually achieve, such as I want to be, I don't know, 200 pounds, right? If, I, if I'm if i trying to lose weight, let's say I want to be 200 pounds, that's my goal. The systems are actually the processes that lead to those results. And, and so he suggests focusing on these systems. So, for example, if your goal is to win a soccer championship, but your system is going to be how you recruit and manage players or run your practices. So while goals are really good for setting a direction, the systems are really, really good for making progress. So change the systems that cause the results. And by default, obviously, your results will change. I think we talked about this in our – I forget what episode it was where we talked about – maybe it was – social media no the in season one we had an episode we discussed the number of followers and how you can come become obsessed with this number um so you know i would see random tweets of people being like i want to reach a thousand followers i want to reach ten thousand followers by the end of the year and this is an example of focusing on the goal and not the system well if instead you focus on producing quality content consistently by nature you're going to achieve your goal and you'll be much happier because you know, you're not focused on one specific number. So this is kind of one example that we see in the social media tech world um, that kind of proves this case. For sure. And it also, you know, jumping off of that, if you're always producing quality content, you tend to enjoy the process of actually producing that content as well, because it, you know, leads to more interesting conversations and things like that. So it, it drives you to 
keep that in mind while you might have like an end goal, your focus still on the process. Absolutely. So what about this concept of three layers of behavioral change? Who wants to take this? Ella, you take this. Awesome. So one thing that he talked about was the layers of change. So the first one is identity and focusing on what you believe and identifying strongly with that. Like, I think the example that he gave was um, somebody identifying as a non-smoker if they're trying to quit smoking. That was one of the examples given in there. And then there's the process of what you're trying, what you actually do in order to um, stick to that identity. And then there's the outcome. So the outcome is finally what happens when you follow through on these habits. I want to quickly talk about that smoker example, because this also was kind of a mind shift for me. So he gives an example of two people who are offered a cigarette and they both typically are have smoked in the past. And the first person says, no, thanks. I'm trying to quit. And the second person says, no, thanks. I'm not a smoker. And so you can very clearly see in the second person that they've identified as a non-smoker. And as a result, their habits are much easier to change. I thought that was so like mind shifting to me. It is. Yeah. I mean, it, and it's, I, I hate the phrase like fake it till you make it. But even if you are a smoker, but you're trying to quit, if you, if you identify as a non-smoker, you're much more likely to shift your own identity to follow, uh, you know, follow suit with that. And I mean, that's the whole point that that Clear's making here is to focus more on the identity than the process or the outcome. Your habits are much more likely to stick. Absolutely. And I think, you know, it's going to seem really difficult at first to try to change your habits. And we'll talk about how habits form in just a second. But, um, you know, habits reduce cognitive load. So these improvements are temporary until they become part of your unconscious, part of who you are. So so th- speaking about all of this, Kelly, do you want to kind of like tell us how we actually form habits? Yeah, yeah. So there are four stages essentially for how habits form. Uh, the first is going to be the cue. Uh, which is the what triggers the brain to actually initiate the behavior. Uh, next up will be the craving, which is the, motiva- the motivation behind the habit. The response is the habit itself. And then the reward is the end goal for what you get for taking on that behavior. So in order to create a good habit, Clear talks about uh, what you can do for each of these steps. So for Q, you want to make th- make it obvious. And I think do you remember the specific example that was given for for make it obvious? I don't, but I think like as an example, like if you are trying to drink more water, maybe fill up a ton of water bottles and leave them around the house where you can actually see them. That's right. Or like if you if you're trying to get to the gym more often, lay out your clothes. Yeah, yeah I think that was actually yep. the example. Or maybe that was the example for make it easy. But oh, maybe. I guess it can apply for both. You're yeah. making it obvious because it's right in front of you. And then there's also make it attractive for craving. Again, I don't remember this one. Maybe. So if we take the concept of working out, maybe it's like you go out and buy some really cute new workout clothes. So you're excited to go wear. Yeah. Or you do workouts that you really enjoy. Like right now I'm doing aerial yoga, which is so much fun. And you get to do all these like flips and stuff. And so it almost doesn't even feel like working out, but it is a good workout. I'm sore the next day, but it's so much fun that it almost doesn't feel like it. And same is true with like rock climber or whatever, where you're really enjoying the activity. Did they make you sign like a waiver saying you're not going to sue them if you break your <laughs> I think so. Yeah. But it's so much fun. I would definitely do that. Oh my goodness. It's so cool. And I really want to take like Instagram pictures one time I go because I feel like it's really pretty. I'm pretty sure people do that all the time. Should. 
Yeah. So you'd be in good company. Definitely. So for the response, which again is the actual habit itself, you want to make it easy. So get rid of any kind of barriers that you're kind of putting in your way to you know, actually initiate the habit. Maybe it's cooking at home. Make sure you have the ingredients at home. I guess that's an example of that. And then the reward for actually initiating the habit, make it satisfying. I'm still stuck on food because I just ate lunch, so I shouldn't be hungry. But, you know, make it satisfying. The food itself, if I want to eat healthy, let me make a really delicious, healthy meal. I'm like, if I go to the gym, I can eat a donut. That's my... <laughs> oh, I do that all <laughs> the time. satisfying. Like I, oh, I'm kidding. I don't go to the gym. Oh, I, <laughs> I, I go to. I do a specific workout that people think I'm crazy. Um, it's called Hot Works. So they have things like yoga and Pilates and like core workouts. They're like thirty to forty five minutes total. But the kicker is that you're in a sauna. <laughs> So the oh. entire thing is like 30 to 45 minutes in a sauna. So it's between like 120 and 125 degrees. And you sweat so much. And each workout, I burn anywhere between like 500 and 600 calories. And that's a short amount of time. Oh, wow. I that's love awesome. it, though. I, I hated it at first. And my body had to adjust to being in a sauna for that long and also working out at the same time. But I get to enjoy, you know, the the aftermath of it and seeing my... How much more? How many more calories I can consume? Your abs. <laughs> there are no abs. It sounds there. like when I used to. It sounds like when I used to walk to my car after work in Texas. Like <laughs> I was sweaty and tired by the end of it. But yeah, that sounds about right. Um. So all this sounds really great, Kelly. But I'm gonna be honest. I've got a lot of bad habits. So can you tell me maybe like how to actually break them? Yeah. So for creating a good habit, you're just going to take the opposite of everything for breaking a bad habit. So for the cue, if you want to make it obvious, make it invisible instead. In this case, um, I have a tendency to pick up my phone in the morning as soon as I wake up. So a good example of this would be to put my phone away so I don't see it and be more likely to grab it. Uh, For craving, where you are making it attractive, make it unattractive instead. Um, Do you have an example of a habit that you're trying to break? I mean, I'm trying not to drink as much alcohol. I'm trying to think of a way to make that unattractive. Maybe I just have to drink so much that I just don't want to drink anymore. <laughs> that sounds not I great. I can't imagine that was what he suggests in his book. Maybe you only buy crappy alcohol or something. I don't know. Yeah, that's true. It's just like... Like the tacos of the world. Like the super like the bottles that come in like a, it's like a plastic bottle of vodka or something like that like i'm only allowed to buy francia and yeah. like crystal palace gin exactly i mean to be honest i have no hate against francia but you know um, <laughs> okay so that's the concept of making it unattractive what about making it difficult yeah so instead of making the the habit easy make it difficult instead um and this is for the response to put child locks on all of my bottles there you go yeah <laughs> and then for reward make it satisfying instead make it unsatisfying and maybe this is where you come in for the so this is where i could probably do like if i drink i have to do like a live stream right that sounds really horrible <laughs> to me or you have a history of drinking and then doing an ask me anything on twitter i know i ended up muting it because i was so embarrassed i woke up the next morning like what have i done but I think I handled it you well. You did handle it well. <laughs> Another yeah. example of this, instead of embarrassing yourself in public, is if I wanted to <laughs> if I wanted to have an extra glass of wine at night, I also have to do 20 push-ups. I hate push-ups. Oh, that's a good idea. So I'm over here like, public humiliation. <laughs> and you're like, just, I don't know. I'm just working but out. that sounds 
that sounds like habit stacking, which is something he also talks about. I mean, you're speaking in the negative sense. So like if I do X, then I have to do Y. But you can also use this to your benefit to gain new habits. So when situation X arises, I'm going to perform response Y. So already pick up a habit that you really enjoy. For me, um, I really enjoyed drinking coffee in the morning. And so I wanted to read more books. So what I would do is I'd get up in the morning a little bit earlier and I'd drink coffee and I'd read my book and then I'd get ready for work. Um, So by, I mean, I also like to read, so it wasn't like that hard for me to do. Um, But by stacking, you know, a new habit with one that you already have ingrained is definitely going to help you be more successful. Well, I think adding something to your morning, like get ready routine or whatever, like you brush your teeth every morning. If you're trying to do skincare, then adding that right after you brush your teeth is the pretty easy next step. That's a good one. I have that problem with like taking my makeup off at night because like by the end of the day, I'm so tired and then I go to sleep with it all on and I wake up looking like a trash raccoon. So I need to find a way to have it stack something in there. I mean, I do brush my teeth every night, so maybe I should just try it in there. But I just I don't know. I don't know. Well, we can also look at it in terms of temptation bundling, since you're more likely to find a behavior attractive if you get to do it with one of your favorite things. As you said, uh, you want to read more, so you read while you drink your coffee because you really enjoyed drinking your coffee. Mm. You know what I do like to do? And I this did help me with working out because I hated cardio. I just got really bored. Is I would pre-download like YouTube videos or Netflix and watch like a 30-minute episode while I was on the fake peloton or whatever um fake peloton so that's a good way to do <laughs> I, that's actually a, a something that i know some people do is that they'll download like a tv show that they really like they only watch it while they're working out so that's their reward yeah it's super useful i like that i also like the idea of doing a reward so since i read this book i've downloaded a habit tracker on my phone called done i've been trying to add new habits every week like a group of them that all make sense together That's been working really well because you get this kind of artificial reward for doing the habit of having it go up in count every time that you do it and it turns a different color and all that. So, I mean, it's it's a false incentive or kind of a fake one, but I really like it. And so I like the idea of the habit tracking. I was looking for a habit tracker like online. So I'm happy that you mentioned that because like one of my things is like try not to spend money because I'm on like a serious debt payoff journey at this moment. And so like any day I don't spend money is like a like a good day. Like when I bring my lunch to work or, you know, ride my bike as opposed to taking the tram. People like visual motivation. I mean, um, with any goal, I don't know about when you were paying off your debt, Kelly, but one thing I want to do is actually visualize how much I pay off each month. Oh, yeah. So actually like coloring in like a square is like a thousand euro or something. It's like every thousand euro I color in a square and you can visually see over time. I was obsessed with watching my net worth as well. Like every single payment I make, every mm. single dollar I save, it adjusts my net worth to, to increase it. Or when I was paying off oh, my cool. student loans, for example, I was get slowly getting out of the negative net worth level. So just, you know, whatever it's whatever works for you. Um, and that visual component, like using that done app, for example, I mean, it kind of almost leans to like gamification, which ha- is proven yeah. to to be successful for businesses in general. And it that that same behavior can definitely be applied to your personal life. Well, speaking of habit tracking, some of the um, people in our Ladybug Goodreads group, which if you are not a member of you should definitely go check it out we have it on our website um you can also find out what books we're reading and all of that on our website ladybug.dev books um we've pulled some quotes from people in our goodreads chat um and you know in future episodes we'd love to you know t- chat more with you but 
In terms of habit tracking, we got some really good ones. So Gerard said, I found a combination of 100 days of code and my GitHub streak to be a really motivating habit tracker. I really doubt I would have comp- completed four rounds of 100 days of code if I didn't have the satisfaction of seeing the GitHub heat map turn green. Oh, I love that. I totally forgot. Like GitHub is a habit yes. tracker, essentially. I didn't even think of that. That is so I cool. Didn't either. I really love that. Also, can we just talk about four rounds of 100 days of code? That's that so is impressive. over a That's, year. Yeah. That's a long time. That's really impressive. Wow. Now I'm like, oh yeah, my goodness, I want to do this. I My GitHub graph is definitely not like that, especially since I, I work on GitHub Enterprise, which is an internal version of GitHub. Mm. So my stuff doesn't get pushed to GitHub. Aww, yeah. But yeah, I use Bitbucket. So we, there was another quote as well um, from the Goodreads group from Julieta. Uh, she says, I use habit trackers on my bullet journal, so I have small calendars where I mark an X the days I have done my habit. I have to say that my German language habit tracker is currently empty, but my workout and watercolor painting ones are doing okay. My German language habit tracker is also empty. <laughs> I was just going to ask. You know, it's fine. <laughs> it's been empty for a while. Although watercolor painting is pretty cool. I tried to do bullet journaling. I feel like it's just so much work, but it's so impressive that she's really good at it. And I know people do like more minimalist ones too. And that's probably more achievable. I've seen some beautiful oh, ones. So I watch like YouTube tutorials on making bullet journals, but I am like artistically challenged. So I can't, yeah. I can't make it pretty. I'm also going to plug this journal that I bought since I don't do bullet journaling because I think it's too much work. Um, I bought this notebook it's by best self and basically each you fill out a page each day and i am just now remembering that i didn't do today so i'm going to do that as soon as we're done recording this episode where you put on what are your three targets for the day and what are you grateful for what's your goal for the day but each like each day you're able to track where you're like how you're progressing on uh on hitting your goals each day of the week. It's really cool because I don't have to draw anything. I just have to write things. Love that. There are so many out there like that. So I want to quickly maybe shift a little bit and talk about um, what makes habits attractive. So one of the things he was saying was to have my cat is in my audio box. I'm not going to cut this out because I think this is funny. My cat has just crawled inside of my cardboard box containing all of my audio equipment. So, you know, they don't chew wires or anything. Does anyone else have pets that like totally interrupt at the wrong time? I do. No, I do, but I do have a husband that does that. Oh, my goodness. Blair, we had to push back recording because she was literally sick all night. I got like three hours of sleep. I feel like I just threw Daniel under the bus. I'm totally lying. I don't record episodes at home, so he's not actually here when I'm recording episodes. Yeah, but it was a funny joke. I just want to make sure make sure everybody knows that I do love my husband. <laughs> uh-huh. Anyway, back to habits. Um, James Clare talks about how you can reframe habits to highlight their benefits. So one of these mindset shifts is the phrase, I get to versus I have to. So it's like, I have to go to the gym. It's like, no, I get to go to the gym. So so that's really interesting. And he also talked about how habits are not formed based on time. Like we would think, oh, how long is it going to take me to form this habit? Is it going to take weeks? Uh, that's not necessarily what determines it. It's based on frequency. So, you know, it's not necessarily, it might take person A three weeks to develop the habit of going to the gym every day. Or it might take person B, I don't know, half as long if they go twice a day. I don't know why you would go to the gym twice a day. Some people do. I don't even go once a day. Um, (laughs) Really? Yeah. Yeah. I used to be like absurdly in shape. I was training for a marathon and then weightlifting at the same time. So I would work out like multiple hours a day. It was absurd. But not anymore. 
<laughs> different focus now. That's totally different fine. Focus. I think another really good one for for making things attractive or just kind of pushing yourself to, to you know, actually start making this habit was the two-minute rule. Basically, just do anything for two minutes. And that's if you do that, you've shown up, you've made the effort. And, you know, the more you do it, you're going to start doing it for longer than two minutes and things like that. But it's, a, it's an easier bar to hit than being like, I need to go to the gym for an hour and a half and I don't know, whatever it might be. So some people from our, our Goodreads group also talked about the two-minute rule. Actually, it was a pretty popular topic. So Jacob, for example, uh, he said, I struggle with moderation. I tend to jump into anything new head first. For example, if I decided to pick up a hobby, it's normal for me to spend hours on it daily for weeks or months. Occasionally, those things do turn into long-term passions, but usually I burn out. By enforcing some level of moderation on myself, I am more likely to stick with habits that exhibit exponential returns over time. I completely agree. Like, I get super into an idea, and then I just, like, go totally head first, zero to 100. Let me just really, really drive this thing home. And then I get tired of it real fast, so it never actually becomes a habit. (laughs) So relate to that. When I started blogging, I think I've said this before on the podcast, but my whole theme to it was that I wrote a blog post every week on a new technology I was learning that I built an app with. And so it was like hours and hours and hours and hours. And this so is how much work. I started working. That's how I started vlogging. It was like 40 hours a week to write a blog post and totally burnt out of that really fast, especially because people were asking me to speak about it and stuff too. So I uh, so relate to that idea of burning out on new things <laughs> and trying to scale back. Yeah, I think also, you know, we had another comment from Silky. She said, I'll be trying the two-minute rule by putting on my workout clothes and running in place for two minutes. So once that habit's established, I'll start slowly building up. And yeah, it definitely starts with those little atomic habits. And he talked about this idea of a commitment device, which I really, really liked. And this was another thing that stuck with me, which is a choice that you make in the present that controls your actions in the future. So you're making decisions about your future self in the present. And I do this when my current debt payment plan, where like, as soon as I get paid, I make a budget and I immediately like pay off my debt. I pay myself first and then there's other room for having fun, right? But like, if I just left that money in there to the end of the month, like, oh, I'll pay my, you know, my debt at the end of the month, you're not gonna, you're not gonna do it as intensely. And so I'm definitely controlling my future actions, my future spending, by making those choices now. That's so. That's totally true. And also on the business side, on the same topic, a book I recommend to a lot of businesses is called Profit First. I'm, I know I've talked about it in other podcasts, and it's still it's the same kind of idea of you know taking your profit first. Surprise. Just making sure your business is always profitable because you're always setting that money aside into another account that's out of sight, out of mind. You don't have any kind of, you don't like see it and you're like, well, you know, I could just pull out of the profit account and buy a new MacBook or, you know, whatever it might be. It just, it it helps you kind of create that more uh, responsible habit of putting money aside and saving it. So that's definitely on the business side, same kind of concept. Absolutely. So, you know, what's immediately rewarded is repeated and what is immediately punished is avoided. So find a way to reward yourself in the present day. Um, Give yourself incentive to start a habit and then change your identity to actually sustain it. Um, So, you know, this was my second time reading this book. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I definitely enjoyed it more reading the physical copy. Uh, 
Stefano, Stefano, I'm not really sure how to say it. My German pronunciations are coming into uh, play here. Um, you know, you said, I think I have to read the book a second time before starting to implement something more. This is definitely a very actionable and dense book. And it's something I personally will probably read once a year just to keep my motivation going. But um, if if it was just a lot for you, I would definitely recommend, you know, let it digest and then maybe pick it up again in another year and see what you think then. I agree. I think there's a lot of value in, in revisiting this book frequently, even if you're already, you know, establishing some of your habits. It's just a good reminder in general. Yeah. I almost felt like it was reading it a second time, even though it was the first time, because the power of habit is super similar to this book. So I almost feel like reading them in tandem could be a really good motivator. And then Atomic Habits is a little bit more actionable. So I think that that was a good sequence there. But I totally agree that I will be integrating this into my routine and rereading it periodically. Especially the physical copy now that I have that. I didn't love the audio book, just some weird tendencies, but I really like the paper copy. So highly recommend that. Awesome. So let's finish this up by each rating the book because it's a book club. I feel like we should probably rate the book. So let's go skill from one to five, five being the best, one being this is a terrible book and should never have been written. Emma. Bunchdana. I give this five stars. (laughs) I, <laughs> I, I still, I'm going to continue to preach about this. Like, it wasn't a perfect book, but I will say this is one of the most memorable for me. I read a lot of books. I read a lot of nonfiction. And this is definitely one along with the power of habit that has stuck with me. So I would give it a five. Allie, what about you? I would also give it a five. The paper copy, I would give a five. Probably give a four to the audiobook. But again, I think it's really actionable. I like how it has summaries. I like how it has pictures. So it's integrating multiple learning styles. And I think everything in it is really actionable. So great book. Awesome. And I would also give it five stars. Um, I think that these kind of self-help, self-improvement books tend to get a bad rap. But this book in particular was a very easy read. It did not feel like it was overwhelming. And I feel like it can be applied to so many different areas of your life, whether personal or professional, that it just it makes it a very approachable book, especially if you're not really into the the self-help kind of books in general. Definitely. I think we need to rate these in ladybugs instead of stars. So I, we all gave it five ladybugs. Oh, you're right. Oh, that's so cute. I love it. So five cute. little ladybugs. I think it's worth saying that we are also pretty critical of self-help books in general. Like you can go yeah. through our Goodreads because we're, we all are pretty mm. active on there. Be our friend, please. <laughs> Looking for friends on Goodreads. Um, but you can read our reviews on there. And overall, I think we're all pretty critical of them. So Yeah, I can tell you a few that I... Uh, just to set this in perspective, we had conversations about um, I did not like the girl wash your Facebook. I thought that was not great. I'm going to I'm going to leave it at that. I didn't I didn't think it was great uh, for many reasons. Um, and another one that's really popular was um, subtle art of not giving a subtle thought. art of. A yeah, bleep? exactly. You mean? <laughs> Just nah, kidding. It's the actual I title. It, I thought it was a little overrated. Oh, I hated yeah, that book. I just I think it was a little overrated. It. it just felt like they wanted to drop f bombs all over the place, just you know, to be relevant. Or I, don't I know. think so. Yeah, t- the most hilarious part of that book for me is I read the book twice because I didn't remember reading it the first time. That's how much it did not stick with me. If you don't remember a nonfiction book, then it. Like in terms of like self-help, quote unquote, um, it clearly didn't do its job. Uh, so, yeah, to Ali's point, 
we're quite critical of the things that we read and the fact that we all give us five stars uh, kind of speaks volumes to that. But if you enjoyed our first ever book club episode, um, please go check out our Goodreads, join our Goodreads, get involved in the chat. You can, again, go find that at ladybug.dev slash books. And again, in February, we're going to be reading Invisible Women, Data Bias in a World Designed for Men. And I've already started it because it was a gift, um, a lovely gift. And it, it, I'm like enthralled by it. Just the, the things in the world that we take for granted or we, we could think, oh my gosh, this could never be sexist in any way. Well, actually, if you look at the data, well, actually, <laughs> um, you know, just unbelievable things. So, you know, tune in in February, the end of February um, to hear more about that. So excited that we're doing this and excited to talk more, more books. Until next month. See y'all Monday. Bye.